Welcome back to this edition of Conversations Different, a podcast from the Santa Fe New Mexican. This week, it's really different. We are headed out to Oklahoma and to the Osage Nation to discuss Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Martin Scorsese film out this week. Shannon Shaw Duty, editor of the Osage News, in a past life was a Santa Fe, New Mexican reporter and Santa Fe resident. She is with us, joining us by phone to discuss not just the movie, but the true story at the heart of the film. Welcome, Shannon. We are so happy to have you. Uh, it's been a while since you were in Santa Fe, and we all miss you. I miss Santa Fe. We'll always miss Santa Fe, and I dream of green chili. When I go out there one of these days, I will take it with me, and I have learned to cook, and I can make green and red chili. So uh, <laughs> I, I will share that as long as I get an Osage meal in return. Oh, you got it. That sounds wonderful. Good. Well, talk to us about what this movie is about and why this story is so important for people to know. Well, this the story is important for people to know because we cannot repeat the past um, so our our story is that the Osage Reign of Terror, which uh, many people have not heard of, is the story of how um, Osage Nation, uh, the Osage, the people, Osage people of the Osage Nation, came into great wealth in the 1920s uh, after oil was discovered on our reservation, and our people were given quarterly royalties from this oil discovery. And uh, it made them the richest uh, people per capita in the world during that time. And that drew all kinds of you know, bad people to our, our reservation. And they began marrying our tribal members, scamming their land away, their wealth away. And Killers of the Flower Moon is a focus of one family, particularly the Kyle family from the Gray Horse District, which is a section of our people that live in the, the northwest part of our reservation. And it shows the, the inner dynamics of a marriage that is geared at killing off her family and oh. her for her, her wealth, for her family's wealth. And it's all very strategic. And it happened not only to the Kyle family, but it happened to many families on our reservation, and it was a period of uh, terror, sadness, and grief and fear for our people, and our people didn't like to talk about it for decades because, right. for one, it's painful, but two, we have to live here still. You but know, we... Uh, I was just thinking <clears throat> about that. What if you're going to the store and you see the nephew or grandson of someone who killed your grandma? And that, that's, that's, like, the, that's your life. That's our life. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in the same town that the film is set in. I grew up in Fairfax, Oklahoma. It's a very small community. And growing up there, we knew about the Osage Reign of Terror, the Osages that lived there. And we knew that people had been murdered, but we didn't know the specifics. We didn't know, um, my generation didn't know the specifics. And uh, whenever we would ask about it, we would kind of get in trouble for asking about it because it was just something that we didn't talk about. So it's something and now, that now it was just too painful. It was too painful and it was a burden. So you know something awful happened. You know that it's still living with you today, but you don't know the details. Right. And it wasn't until I read uh, The Deaths of Sybil Bolton uh, by Dennis McAuliffe Jr., who's Osage himself, 
that I realized the full extent of it and uh, the the gruesomeness of it because uh. he's he's the first he's the first writer to report from the FBI files from that time that takes place in Killers of the Flower Moon. So that was the first time I, I read the gruesome details of, of the murders that happened here. How old were you? I'd say I was about 19 years old. Wow. So you're probably up in college. And what happens when you find out the truth? Well, it made me furious. Yeah. Anger. Uh, I was resentful. Very resentful because a lot of the, the people that had benefited from our wealth were still benefiting. You know, they had generational wealth where our people were in poverty. And that should have been us. That should have been my people enjoying generational wealth from the choices that we made that benefited us. Because those were strategic choices made by our tribal leaders to gain the mineral rights to our reservation. Right. That was an agreement that our tribal leaders made with the United States in 1906 when they chose to allot our land. And we fought allotment as hard as we could. And that was the only way that they could get us to allot our land because our land was bought and paid for by the Osage people. Wow. So we had a deed to our reservation. That's not, you know, that's not there was common. no other tribe. Yeah. No, there yeah. was no other tribe in, in Oklahoma or what was Indian Territory at that time that had a deed to their reservation. So that's what made it particularly difficult to allot our land. Okay. But when we finally succeeded, we bargained for our mineral rights. And that's why we came to that money. When wow. it happened. And then it was basically stripped away in large part, at least from some of the people and the people who are the grandchildren of the killers, basically, and the thieves are still you right. know, relatively well off. Now, the book that this is based on was about the founding of the FBI as well as about what happened to the Osage people. But the movie's going to be different if what I've read is correct. Is that is that... Is that what you understand? Well, you've seen it, so you know. Yes, the movie's different. The movie, uh, instead of uh, being, you know, a recreation of the book, it instead focuses on uh, Molly Burkhart and her husband, Ernest Burkhart, and that's played by Lily Gladstone, beautifully played by Lily Gladstone, and I have, and Leonardo DiCaprio. So the, the movie focuses on their relationship and their marriage and the deaths that go on around them. So it's almost like an analogy of what's taking place, you know, on a wider scale. Instead, Scorsese has focused on this family. He comes down. And shown what goes on around it. Now that this is out, you know, I was thinking about Oklahoma right now where they're trying to say you can't teach certain things in schools. I mean, it's happening in the nation, but I've there's been a lot of going on in Oklahoma with your director of education, et cetera. When you have a movie like this, it's kind of hard to pretend it didn't happen. Well, the lucky thing for us and in my area, I also sit on our uh, board of education. So right. I'm a, I'm a Pesca public school, school board member. And I recently donated, um, I don't know, I think it was 50 young reader adapted books of Killers of the Flower Moon. And our uh, superintendent recognizes that as history. And it's not critical race theory, as they say. Right. So it is being taught in our junior high. That's important because that way, if you have ancestors that 
could tell you the story but are gone, you have another way to access it. And then the people who aren't Osage also will know about it. So so the collective community understands what happened. Oh, well, we do plan on having uh, Osage experts come in to talk to the kids and serving an Osage meal at the culmination of the of the class and maybe t- taking the kids on a tour of the areas where the Osage murders happened. Okay, so it'll be a cultural event. And with that, we're going to take a quick mm-hmm. break and we'll be right back with Shannon Shaw Duty to discuss Killers of the Flower Moon. Thanks, Inez. This is Patrick Dorsey, publisher of the Santa Fe New Mexican. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Conversations Different with Inez Russell Gomez. Great local content is only possible with a talented staff dedicated to bringing you the best local content possible. For that staff to do its work, we need your support by subscribing to the Santa Fe New Mexican. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. And if not, there's never been a better time to subscribe. In addition to our home-delivered newspaper that comes with full digital access, we also provide digital-only subscriptions for SantaFeNewMexican.com. We'll also be releasing more online-only audio and video programming moving forward. The Santa Fe New Mexican has been here for nearly 175 years, and we want to continue being your source for local news and information. Visit us at SantaFeNewMexican.com slash subscribe or call us at 505-986-3010. Thank you. It's a new day in New Mexico, and the doors to boundless opportunity are open as tens of thousands of New Mexicans reach higher to pursue a dream, broaden their horizons, and retrain for a better job. With the New Mexico Lottery and Opportunity Scholarships, you could build yourself a better future anywhere in the state. You put in the hard work, we'll help with the costs. For eligibility details, visit ReachHigherNM.com. We are back with Shannon Shaw Duty talking to us from the Osage Nation. Um, one of the things I remember about you when you lived in Santa Fe is that you absolutely adore movies. And I can't, yeah. I kept thinking of you like a kid in a candy store in the sense that you're getting to watch a movie being made and you were in the movie, is right? And yeah, you got the best people in the world because, you know, this isn't a movie like a Hallmark you know, movie of the week. This was Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, Lily Gladstone. What was that like? Well, being on the movie set, and, and I had met uh, Lily Gladstone prior to the film, just in passing, but being on the movie set and, and seeing how, and talking to the makeup artists and talking to the hair people and then talking to the production assistants and, and everyone just working, doing the best that they could. This was like the pinnacle of their careers for a lot of them because it was a Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. And just seeing how everyone was on top of their game. I mean, this was a make or break moment for a lot of them. And they were just so grateful to be there and to be working on there on the set. And I think that how serious they took it, because, you know, whenever Lily Gladstone came on set, there was this whispers through the, through the whole set. And there would be, you know, a couple hundred people you know, on set at any time. Well, in the scenes that I participated in, which which means there was like a hundred, couple hundred extras, but on top of that, all the crew that was everywhere too, and just be whispering, you know, the actresses here, the actresses here. 
and just how uh, serious they took all of this and how much they adored Willie Gladstone. And that was just so wonderful. And, um, you know, they made everyone feel at ease, even though we were around these Hollywood titans, you know, you know, growing up and watching Scorsese. First seeing him whenever he met with our principal chief, uh, Jeffrey Standing Bear, that was surreal. You know, because he was telling stories of his childhood and he was being he was being very comfortable, even though there was a journalist in the room, he was being very comfortable and just talking about his life and getting to know our chief on a level, on a personal level. And just hearing that was just like, oh my God, you know, I've never read anything like that. So having that kind of access and just seeing them a lot, they became kind of part of our community at the time because they were so accessible. They were so open and they, you know, they were also friendly. Everyone was just, I mean, it was just uh, reiterated over and over that we want to tell the story. Uh-huh. We want to do justice to the Osage people. We want to work with you. I mean, they went out of their way to work with our cultural experts, our language experts, they had multiple Osage consultants at all times on set. These are people that I grew up around. I saw them on the set and I was like, we're in good hands. Like as soon as I saw the late Johnny Williams with his headset on listening to a conversation that was being had by these two actors, I was like, well, everything's all right. Yeah. I mean, I you just knew, knew they weren't right going to take your story and mess it up that they were paying attention. I mean, I was reading about the costuming. They even would go back and and look at the traditional blanket patterns that were worn in the 20s and really get Mm -hmm. it so it's right. No, uh, Pendleton changed their looms and made a whole new line of uh, Pendletons just for the film. Wow. That's that's amazing. So after the movie gets made, I'm trying to think of the timeline. It was after covid or was there a break because of COVID? And then earlier this year, we go to Cannes and it it's going to debut at the most you know prestigious film festival. And somehow or the other, Shannon Shaw Duty gets to go document it on the red carpet. How, how did that come about and what was that like? Well, I kind of bowled my way in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, I wasn't invited. So just so, uh, you know, being a film lover that I am, uh, there were whispers about the Cannes Film Festival as early as, I would say I was hearing that in January of this year. I was hearing, now can they're going to debut at can. So I looked into how do you, how, how does a journalist cover the can film festival? How do you get let in? So I applied, I was accepted and uh, we got my travel together so I could go. And I reached out to the Apple publicity team, which I was already and had already been working with. And I let them know, hey, I'm going to be there. Wow. You know, let's let's uh, take this partnership even further. You're going to have an Osage journalist at the Cannes Film Festival. Let's do this. And they did. They yeah. they granted me access. They, uh, you know, like they got me tickets to the screening. And I was front row of the mezzanine. It was, you know, and I went to the reception afterward which is like the stuff of Hollywood dreams. It was all very surreal. And I just knew that this was going to be one of the most important stories that I was going to write when I reviewed the film. I just knew I was going to have to work my tail off the entire time. Oh, I bet. 
Yes. While your husband, Mr. Judy, was out sightseeing probably and enjoying himself and having lattes on the plaza or something. Yeah, I think he did take a dip in the bay. I was very jealous. Yes. (laughs) That's not fair. Well, one of the things that struck me when I read your stories is the knowledge that you had of the subject matter, obviously, because it was your life, basically, the life of your people, but also your ability to ask questions of Martin Scorsese that were so intelligent about movie making and about filmmaking. And we're going to post some of those links to those stories on our podcast site so people can read the coverage. Because what was that like, like going into the room and you and Martin Scorsese are just hanging out? Well, um, I was shaking before I walked in there. I was I was his last interview and uh, I didn't want to waste his time because he was he uh, the machine, the the PR machine, and the and the media outlets. You know, there must have been hundreds of media outlets there. And I was his last interview. He'd been interviewing all day long. You know, for days. He was tired, and I I didn't want to waste his time. But I knew that I I had to come in with an Osage perspective because I mean, I I could. Yeah. So uh, that's what I did. I. Uh, Made sure he knew that I was Osage, I was Osage tribal member, and I was from the Great Horse District. And I'm also the mother of our Great Horse drumkeeper as well, which is a cultural significance that I knew he would understand. Yeah, yeah. And he did. And uh, right then and there, I think, was when uh, it just became a conversation. And I knew that this was my my one shot. I just uh, talked about the film, what I liked about it, and uh, he he responded, and we just had a conversation. And I and I tried to be as as comfortable as I could and not overthink it. Reading it, it sounded very conversational and very uh, of two equals. You know, it wasn't like, you know, he's Martin Scorsese and you're not. It it, it was just a great, great interview. Um, we're almost to the end of our time. And I just wanted to ask you, are you going to the Oscars? <laughs> I am certainly going to try. <laughs> I am certainly going to try. I, I know that... Um, the, the Apple machine is at work and I've been seeing all the weird reviews and yep. the campaign that's running for uh, Lily Gladstone for Best Actress. And I certainly sincerely hope with everything I have that she wins Best, best Actress. So um, I definitely want to be there. Yeah, I think I think that would be important. And, and it's not just the first native. It, it's the first it's, it's really a film that is about native people without having a white savior, which is huge, I think. And it kind of fits in the moment we're in where indigenous storytellers, creators, et cetera, are telling stories. And this doesn't have that kind of involvement, but in terms of the, the way the story was framed, it does. And and do you think that's going to keep going? You know, one of the things that I didn't think about, but that Lily Gladstone pointed out when we were, when I was interviewing her and DiCaprio and De Niro, she pointed out that this is the first film in the native lexicon where you know, the film uh, begs you to love and accept a Native woman and to be on her side, on her team. You know, this is, and it's a real, you know, it's not a a someone portraying a Native woman. It's, and you know, Molly Burkhart was a real person. Yeah. And you are being begged to love her and be on her side and be there for her and stand up for her as the hero. And that is true because I, I thought about that and I thought about all of the, the native films, the big native films that we all know and, and you know, love. Yeah. 
But this is the first one where the main character, the hero, is a, is a Native woman. Wow. And uh, and it's it's a mainstream movie. Like, it's a big Hollywood budget movie. Yeah. No, it's the blockbuster. And she's, yeah, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be huge. And yeah. uh, she's the hero. And I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. We're at a great moment in time. As, as, as crazy as everything is, there's so much potential and possibility ahead. Yeah. I mean, the way that Scorsese made this film, Tatanka so Means said this, and I'm going to paraphrase him. This is like the playbook for how every major motion picture should be made when you come into an indigenous community. Wow. You humble yourself. You make that good faith effort to really get to know them, work with their tribal leaders, their cultural experts in the community. And everything after that is gravy. Yeah, that is a great place to end it. And we are so happy that Shannon was able to take time from her day to talk to us here in Santa Fe. And we will be back again with another episode of Conversations Different. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you so much.